Hey there. Eric is today's guest on the podcast. This is another Geek Out podcast episode, but it really is a chance for Eric and I to, to discuss pro wrestling, which uh, we get into a lot of the stuff from the 80s uh, into the 90s, and we actually have a set up for a future episode, and honestly, talking to him about, about this stuff, we could have many episodes. One thing I, I have noticed when I have these chats with Eric, I have got to have my information has to be 100% accurate and as tight as it can possibly be because there was a couple things here that I kind of sort of thought was right as far as like a territory and a timeline, uh, and he corrected me, which I appreciate it because you know what? I got to have the facts. But uh, really enjoyed this chat as always with him, and uh, we're, uh, we're looking forward to you guys listening to it. Now, I do have Eric's handle, his Instagram handle linked up in the show notes, so if you're not connected with him yet, please go ahead and do that. And without further ado, here's Eric. Uh, so WrestleMania was this weekend. Um, I thought it was an excellent show. Uh, I feel like my favorite part of the show might be yours, but what was, uh, I'll put you on the spotlight, Eric, what was your favorite part of WrestleMania this weekend? Uh, I, I think my favorite part was, um, the, uh, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch match, the entrances. I, I really, I really dug the, uh, HBCU band that was out there for Bianca Belair's entrance. And yeah. uh, I, I thought that um, the WWE did the right thing, um, giving, you know, having Bianca Belair win because the the storyline art from SummerSlam, you know, and, and there, there were those times where you thought that she was going to, you know, that she was going to win. like a, And then, you know, Becky Lynch was, was constantly screwing her. And then you were worried that... Um, that uh, they weren't going to pull the trigger and have Bianca Belair win again this year. Um, but I'm glad uh, that she did. It was an awesome match. Um, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is going to be the best match of the night. And of course, you know, the next match, which was right after, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, was almost just as good. But I, I think for the first night, um, you know, that was my fa- But there were so many good parts, you know, but uh, out of all the good parts, I think that one was my favorite. It was a really good show, and something about something about that match. And you, you mentioned the story of Becky Lynch uh, and and Bianca, and it was it was they almost went to repeat the squash. Like the, it started these same exact yes. way Slam did, and there's like yes. this little thought in the back of your mind, yeah. like, oh god, are they going to troll us like this? Like, are they really yeah. going to do this? Yeah. Um, even the though only happen, the only right? the only thing about the match that I didn't like. And I've seen them do this a lot in other matches because it it just, to me, it just sounds so unrealistic. When Becky Lynch did the manhandle slam on the steps outside and the ref is counting and Bianca Blair is not moving at all. And then when he, then when he gets to nine, she miraculously, you know, jumps up and and crawls back into the ring. You know, they talk about the adrenaline rush and everything. I think if they would have, that would have been a little bit more believable, maybe like around six or seven, she's kind of starting to crawl. And then when they get to nine, she, you know, cause I, I've seen John Cena do that. And it, it just, it just looks so ridiculous. It's like, how is it that you are just like, you can't move for nine seconds. And then in that last second, all of a sudden you can move like super duper quick. <laughs> and it's not even the last second because in order for them to actually do it at that point in time, I mean, they have to delay the count. So then 
the count between nine and ten isn't that much shorter than one through nine. Yeah. But I'm with you. Like, if you're telling that story, no matter how massive the spot was before that, um, they have to start stirring around four or five. Even if they're just like, yeah. they seem like they're out of it and really disoriented. I mean, I think there's some little things that they can do as far as uh, as far as selling the story. Um, and I and I and uh, I was I was so convinced. Like I saw like after the match, you know, when when they show pictures of Bianca's eye, the, the black eye she's got from when from where Becky Lynch was doing the flip off the rope and she accidentally hit her like with her feet in her face. I was so convinced like the next night on Raw, she was going to come out and say, um, I have to give up the title because I got a fractured orbital bone because that heel, that heel, I mean, they showed in slow motion and it just looked nasty. But, you know, fortunately she said, I don't have an eye injury. I just got the black eye. But um, yeah, that, that was uh, because you could see at the end of the match, the eye was starting to swell. Um, But yeah, that was, uh, yeah, WrestleMania one, uh, uh, WrestleMania night one was uh, was great. Yeah, I thought, and, and of course the next match because that's what everybody has talked about. That's what I thought was going to be your uh, your absolute favorite. What I liked about Cody's return is he is absolutely one hundred percent the same exact American Nightmare character down to the theme yes everything. And I'm so I'm so happy that they're doing that. And but. That I thought that match because I went back and I mean they got about 22 minutes. Yeah, go and this was like, I mean it was kind of like once you knew who it was going to be, it was like the Mm -hmm. main event in the main event. But I mean this is something that's not closing the show that they've got a packed card that they're um, they're giving this much time to. I I thought it was yeah. Well, I think one of the good things that some of the and not all but some of the performers are doing they're now doing you know when we get in talking about you know wrestling from years past they're now they're now going out there and trying to like prove wherever they are on the card that they're the best match like okay you don't want to put me on last i'm gonna make it to where people behind me can't follow me yeah. um like I, that's what i was saying before is like i was like bianca but you know bianca becky was like you know i still believe was the best match and when that match was over, I was like, there is nothing that, that we can have, even knowing that it was going to be Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I was like, there's nothing that's going to come out tonight that's going to even come close to that. Well, then we had Cody versus Seth, you know, Seth Rollins. And that match came close to um, uh, Becky and like the best, my favorite match was Becky, yeah. Bianca. My favorite yeah. moment was when the music starts and because, and I did, I, I've gone back and I've watched it a couple times. You know, I've, yeah. I've come back, watched it more than a, yeah. more than a couple times. And the timing with the lyrics of the song, because it says the crowd is here about to blow. And right as it says about to blow, Cody Rhodes comes up. Yeah. Be- because one of the things I was worried about was, you know, because towards the end of his AEW run, he's just getting booed out of the building. And they're not, they're, they're kind of playing off on that because, you know, he's like, well, you guys want me to be a heel and you want to boo me. And uh, so you kind of in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, we know Cody's coming. How are they going to react? Are they going to boo him out of the building? Or are they just going to like lose, lose their mind? And when he comes up out of the, 
you know, when he comes up out of the bottom of the stage and 70,000 people just roar, yeah. I'm, I'm like, this is the moment, you know, I mean, I think that was even better than, um, you know, when Stone Cold came out later, which is insane because Stone Cold is like Stone Cold. He was in Texas, but the, the reaction that Cody got when he came up out of the stage. So the thing that I thought was really, and, and I, I loved the entrance. I loved everything. I didn't pay, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I knew the lyrics of the song, but I didn't necessarily pay attention to how it was, his entrance was synced up like that. Um, but what I did notice, because I mean, I'm, I'm watching this match, I'm watching all these near falls, I'm watching, all, I mean, some of these moves that he and Rollins were trying, and I mean, towards the end, where Rollins clubs him in the back of the head, I remember like, I was like, oh, ah, I mean, like, mm -hmm. he, he did. And then like, right, but see, that was the, the ultimate moment for me in that match was, um, was when he did the tribute to his dad. That's oh, yeah. I, oh yeah. I was like, and that's the the pop that they got from that. I'm like, he's not only doing that, but he's doing that in Texas. I yep. was just that. That was, yeah. I mean, that was such a that was such a huge. Huge. I, I got to go back and look because I don't know if he did the full tribute to his dad because I because you know he rolled the hands and then he did yeah. the elbow. But did he did he grab his crotch? You know, because Dusty would always do. He would roll his hands, did he grab? You know, cup himself, and then he do the elbow. I gotta go back and see if, if, have, if yeah. Cody did it. <laughs> I have to go back and see if Cody grabbed his crotch because I, I didn't. Think <laughs> um, you know, if oh you do God. that, if you do that, then you're doing the full true Dusty tribute. But <laughs> yeah, it was. But um, and 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 uh, uh, Corey Graves, you know, some of the commentary he was saying when Cody was coming out, like, you know, he says from, you know, from undesirable to undeniable, yeah. which, you know, which was a cool line. And then he said, you know, the prodigal son returns and then he, and as Cody's climbing up and he's getting up on the ropes, you know, he says somewhere high and above the clouds, a, a certain son of a plumber is grinning from ear to ear. And I'm like, you know, you know, you know, they give Corey Graves a little grief because this whole him and Carmella storyline yes. that, you know, yeah. that they're playing it with real life and everything. But, you know, he, he, he has some good things that he, you know, he has some good lines that he comes up with. He, he does. And I'll tell you, I mean, the other, then the thing I was wondering, and they kind of, they eventually kind of did it where they mentioned that Cody basically had become a superstar all over the world. Um, they didn't really acknowledge AEW, but then I, I did watch, I mean, I'm sure you, did you watch the press conference that Cody Rhodes had afterwards for like an hour long? <laughs> this did not it's it's well and he talks a little bit more um about the path of coming back and acknowledging all this stuff in aew and and the conversation he had with triple h when he was you know kind of coming back into to all this um but yeah i, I thought the I, I thought the way and that's kind of the shame with the internet now we talked about this on the last podcast episode like you know there's no real like we weren't surprised you basically you weren't going to be surprised if it was Cody Rhodes, but you were going to be disappointed if it wasn't. And that's one thing because I mean, there've been spoilers out for, I feel like every, well, ever since he left AEW. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was kind of one thing that I was like, man, you can't have the same genuine surprise. Um, but, I, but I think, I think that they did, you, you touched on this earlier was yeah. that they still had a little element of surprise in that they, like you said, he kept, what he what he had in AEW, the yeah. 
the American Nightmare, the the um the graphic that they had, his robe, the song, his entrance. So like he because you know, I was comparing. That's the other thing I did the second third time I watched it through. I'm like, I think this is the exact same. Like I think this is everything, and it is. I mean, he's basically got the entire um, the entire character, and I, you know, and, and the other thing because uh, and you mentioned. Steve Austin. I I just wish they would have made Kevin Owens and Steve Austin a match to begin with, because it didn't make sense that this was going to be the last thing of the night. If it's really an interview segment, we knew there was going to be a stunner. We knew how this was going to go. I just wish they would have actually said up front it was going to be a match. Yeah, well, I think they what they did is, and they kind of almost painted themselves in the corner because they knew that. Stone Cold Kevin Owens had to be last because if it was not last, people were going to leave when it finished, you know, because then it was, you know, then there was the rumor about, you know, Ronda Rousey was upset because she wasn't going to go on last. And then I, I know while I was, I was following Twitter during WrestleMania, and there was this rumor going out that said that Ronda Rousey had left the building. She had actually left the arena. Um, which, you know, which turned out to be false, but it did, but then it did, it was confirmed that she left um, the Hall of Fame the night before early, but she came out on Twitter and said, you know, people are, you know, reading the things out there. I had to leave early because of my baby and stuff, but, you know, so you, you hear things about that, but nothing else on night one could have been last, being that they were in Texas, so it had to be Stone Cold, um, and I think the reason they didn't, you know, call it as a match was, was because, you didn't know could Stone Cold still go in a you know a true match, um, nineteen years after? Because I didn't even think you were going to have the no holds barred ahead. I thought they were going to do the interview thing, and then Stone yeah. Cold was going to was going to stunt you know was going to stun Kevin a couple times and drink his beers, and then you know send everybody home happy. So we got more than yeah. I thought we were we were going to get. Um, you know, and that's probably why they didn't say from the beginning because it was going to be a match because they probably didn't know, you know, okay, you know, what can, you know, what can Steve, what can he endure, you know, what can he take? Is he going to look good doing his stuff? Is he going to look, you know, is it going to look bad? Which we're going to get into when we talk about night two about something looking bad. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, like you know, uh, um, you know. Ronda Rousey Charlotte was good. I gotta say that surprised me. I thought, I thought Ronda Rousey was gonna win. Um, I didn't think, I didn't think Charlotte would beat her. So that was, uh, that was a surprise. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, night night one, night one was great. Well, let's let's get into uh, let's get into nine tonight too, and we'll start about the, we'll start about the the thing that looked bad because it, it if it's what I I think it is, it looked really bad. Uh, are we talking about the uh, the stunner to to Vince McMahon? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, Vince can Vince can now say that he has beat Donald Trump in something because up until night two, Donald Trump at WrestleMania, I believe it was twenty three. Yeah, he had yeah. the title of the worst stunner ever. And I think Vince took that from it. And, and Vince, you know, Vince has taken the stunner, you know, over the, I can't tell you how many times he's taken the stunner. I feel like it, and I, I think what you're noticing now 
I think Vince is 75 years old. Yeah. And you know, still jacked. Still jacked. I was noticing that. I mean, he's still out there in his tank top and doing yeah. all, this, uh, all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, and you kind of forget that, that these guys, and I mean, you know, Austin, to Austin's credit, when he was in there, I, I mean, he, and night two, he looked good. And then, uh, oh, what the, what is that guy's name? Austin Fury? Austin Theory. Fury, yeah, Theory. The that way he was... pulled the stunner, I thought, I mean, it actually made it look like, I mean, that was that was a sell job up there with The Rock, where he does the whole I think, thing. I think that was his tribute to Scott Hall from WrestleMania 18. Because, yeah. you know, when Scott Hall took the stutter, how he just shot straight up in the air. And Austin Theory did the same. Um, and because that Pat McAfee-Austin Theory match, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't appreciate how athletic yeah. uh, a football player can be. You know, because people joke Pat McAfee. And I've seen him, some, you know, because he had his match at NXT against Adam Cole. That You know, they don't really talk about that too much. Right. Um you know, obviously because of Adam Cole being an AEW, but you know, you know, punters always get you know joked about you know in the NFL, but Pat McAfee, that is an athletic yeah. son of a you know what. I mean, the the, the 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 moves he was doing and the flips and and he knows how to take a stutter because the way he took that stutter was awesome. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, in general, I'm a big fan of Pat McAfee for all the stuff that he's done. I mean, he's. He, he has his podcast that he does. Uh-huh. He, like, he's not afraid to share his opinion on things. And he was very open about being a wrestling fan his entire life. He then got the job with the WWE. And I mean, he's, he's now, yeah. I mean, he was doing stuff down in NXT. Now he's up on, on SmackDown and he's just like, I mean, he got himself into WrestleMania and he's got the Dallas cheerleader, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders mm-hmm. entrance. I just, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool how he, how he did that. Now we could, we could talk about apparently we could do an entire podcast episode on the most recent WrestleMania, but uh, as as far as what we were going to talk about tonight, I want to get into this because I I mean wrestling um, was was really really popular when we were when we were kids, kind of lulled for a while. Then we had the the uh, surge in the late '90s with the Monday Night Wars, which we talked about, and it's still really really popular um, to its to its core audience. How did you get started with with uh, wrestling? And uh, I mean, just what are some of the earliest memories? And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, but just old school. Um, my grandmother was a huge wrestling fan, and I my earliest memories are watching, uh, you know, in my area where I live, the the wrestling that was on TV was uh, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, like the early Jim Crockett promotions. Yeah. And her favorite wrestler was uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel. Okay. And it didn't matter if he was a bad guy or if he was a good guy. Don't you dare say anything bad about Chief Wahoo McDaniel around my around uh, grandmama. Yeah. And um, so my earliest memories are watching um, Mid Atlantic. And so I remember, you know, Ric Flair and you know Roddy Piper. And I remember when Roddy Piper would play the bagpipes before his match. And um, you know, and they're like Magnum T.A. and Jimmy Vine and Paul Jones and the Rock and Roll, you know, a couple of years later, the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express and, you know, the Four Horsemen. And and um, and like one of the one of the great things about YouTube is like I, I remember like my earliest memories were like Tully Blanchard and Ric Flair. I mean, even before they were the, the Four Horsemen, 
but they were yeah. on the same side because you know where they were bad guys. Yeah. But you know, sometimes I'll go down a YouTube rabbit hole and I'll see wrestling from like the year 1984, and Tully Blanchard was teaming with Wahoo and he was feuding with Ric Flair. And so I'll be watching videos where Tully Blanchard is fighting Ric Flair, and that is just like this craziest thing to me because you know it's always it was always Tully, you know, was on Flair's side. So you know to see you know things before that. Um, and then when Hogan came to the WWF in 84 and he won the title from Iron Sheik, you know, because that was around the time we got cable yeah. and USA had the wrestling at the time. And that's where I kind of got first introduced to um, Hogan and AWA was on, I think was on ESPN at the time, you know, and, and that's kind of how I, you know, learned about AWA, Kurt Canning, Nick Bockwinkel. Um, and all of them. But yeah, I grew up on um, NWA, you know, Jim Crock Promotions, Mid-Atlantic, you know, uh, TBS 605 on Saturdays, yeah. you know, not six o'clock, 605. But uh, yeah, you know, that was, you know, Dusty Rhodes and, and Magnum and, you know, and Flair and the Andersons and Jimmy Valiant and, and all of them. It was just it was awesome. And then the Road Warriors, when they first came in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they just ran over everybody. And I've watched the, you mentioned Piper with the bagpipes. And I, that also reminds me of, you know, Ricky Steamboat when he was there before he went to mm-hmm. WWF. And Tommy then, Rich, you know, yeah. he, he was like the most popular. Jake the Snake. Jake, before he was Jake, real Jake the Snake. Yeah. Um, the Briscoes. I'm, you know, that was where I first saw the Briscoes. Uh, Dick Slater was there um i'm trying to think who else was there then um oh ron garvin you know uh hands of stone ron garvin yeah um you know but yeah it was yeah it, it was like that was that was my um introduction was uh and i, and uh, I don't feel like we can have an awa or a, a um, awa uh, mid-atlantic wcw discussion without mentioning barry windham so um, um i don't i don't recall him being in the awa um he was mid-atlantic right yeah he was he was florida yeah and he was uh mid-atlantic and then he was at wwf for a while um yeah. you know a little bit with mike rotundo um and then uh then he, you know then he came then he went back to florida and then he went then he, pushed, then he went up to crockett and nwa and everything that was you know a little later like 86 87 but yeah, and his matches with his matches with Flair were were amazing. And I'm trying to so AWA was Minnesota and what mm-hmm. other territory? That was like Minnesota, Midwest. That was like Vern because that was Vern Gagne's yeah. um, area. That's where I first saw Scott Hall. Okay. He teamed, he teamed with Kurt Henning. Uh, that's where I first saw the uh, the midnight. There were the Midnight Rockers at the time. Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. Yep. Um, that was where I really first got familiar with Larry Zabisco because he was in the, he was in the Georgia area, mid Atlantic before AWA, but I didn't really see him too much. I didn't, I didn't catch him that much, but when he went to AWA and he was teaming with Nick Bockwinkel, then he feuded with Nick yeah. Bockwinkel, like Larry Zabisco, that was kind of first where I got him, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. AWA is where I first saw him. Um, 
And then, you know, they had Colonel De Beers, who was like, the, you know, he was the racist character from apartheid South Africa. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think who was. Uh, Vader first showed up in AWA. Scott Norton first showed up in the AWA. Um, I don't know if you remember the Beverly Brothers from WWF. That yeah, I do remember. They were, yeah. They were there as, I think, the, Destru the Destruction Crew. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, AWA, before, like, I guess, like, really before Vince went national, because they had Hogan. And that's yeah. where he, and they had the Hulkamania and they had the, you know, the, the eye of the tiger theme and Vern, for whatever reason, he did, he wouldn't pull the trigger to give Hogan the title. And I mean, I, I watched on YouTube, I watched the video, like their big show from um, whatever the arena in uh, Min uh, Minneapolis is called. I don't think it's called the Meadowlands, whatever their arena in Minneapolis. And like, it was wall to wall people. Yeah. And you know, Hogan, you know, you think Hogan won and they did what, you know, we now know is the dusty finish where he wins the title, but then they take it back from him, you know, and then you, and then, you, you know, years later, you hear the backstory is like, well, Vern Gagne wanted, you know, he wanted a cut of Hogan because Hogan was going to go to Japan and he wanted a cut of Hogan's Japan money and he wanted a really high percentage of Hogan's um, merchandise you know, to give Hogan the title. And Hogan's like, I'm, you know, I got this on my own by doing the Rocky. You got nothing to do with this. And then Vince was like, come to me. And then Hogan yeah. left. And then Bobby Heenan left. And Mean Gene left. And Jesse Ventura left. And, you know, and like AWA was like crippled. I mean, of course, you know, then they had the Road Warriors for about a year. And that yeah. helped. And then they had the Rockers. But, you know, but then once, the, once Vince got national, and he started taking, you know, the people. Yeah, I mean, he would take your – he took all the top guys that were in that in that territory and just made them into characters. And that's exactly – I mean, that's what Hulk Hogan was, um, you know, and, and Vince got him. And he took this stuff that started with Rocky III and the Eye of the Tiger and just made him into this larger-than-life superhero. And Hogan – I mean, for what Vince was wanting to do, I think Hogan was probably the – I mean, he was about as good as he could possibly be. Um, did you, so then with wrestling, because it was really, really popular uh, 80s into the very early 90s, but then there was like a probably a four or five year period where kind of popularity, general popularity really cooled off. Were you still a fan then or did you kind of go away and, and do some different things? I was, um, like I said, I was always, you know, like I said, I was always a diehard fan. And even when, even when the product, you know, got to be not as good, but, 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 you know, like I said, fortunately then you didn't have the internet. So it's hard, you know, so, you know, looking back, it's like, you know, well, would I have been a fan because I didn't know about like when Flair left at 91, you know, I didn't know that he was fired because he didn't get along with Jim Hurd and they wanted him to do some ridiculous thing. I just knew that, before um, the, the bash where he was going to wrestle Luger, you know, you come out and say, uh, you know, well, they say, well, Flair's not here, so Luger's going to wrestle Wyndham. Well, then you watch the match, and the entire match, the fans are chanting, we want Flair. And then a couple yeah. months later, you see Flair show up with the World Heavyweight Championship in WWF. Um, but, uh, you know, WCW was, you know, was, was still 
you know, they had some good um, characters and they had some good stories. You know, you know, Sting became a made man when Russell Flair. Steamboat came yep. back in eighty, like eighty nine, for the NWA it was just like an awesome year because Steamboat came back, and you had that trilogy of matches with Flair that still hold up to this day, yep. and that went that went right into the feud with Terry Funk, and you know, Great American Bash eighty nine, which is one of the was probably the best pay-per-view that NWA ever had. I mean, they had just, you know, you had Sting against Muda, which was an amazing match. You had Luger against Steamboat. You had the War Games, not as good as the first one, but, you know, that was a good one. You know, and then you had Flair versus Funk, which was a good bloodbath. And then Muda comes out to side with Flair. And then Sting comes out to save Flair. And then Flair and Sting team up and the brawl goes out into the crowd now that, you know, in the aisle and everything. Um, and, you know, WWF was, was still going good because, you know, Hogan had his four-year reign and then, you know, they had the main event where he lost the title and then, and then uh, Andre beat him with the shoulder up with the evil twin, you know, the Hebners and then Savage and then Savage won the, the tournament and then Hogan won the title back and 89 and then that led to Royal Rumble where Hogan and Warrior were the two um, left alone for a couple minutes and they went at it and then they had their WrestleMania. Um, but like, you know, like around 92, you know, even without knowing what was going on behind the scenes, you know, you could tell that people were kind of getting tired of the Hogan shtick, you know, that it was like, okay, he's been, it was like, it's, it's just always Hogan, you know, it's like, he's always on top. You know, when are we going to get know. somebody else? One thing that I think would have been interesting, because you mentioned you you mentioned when Flair walked out with the title, which, by the way, I mean, when you think about that, and you're if you would have put that again, kind of like what you were saying with today's internet, I mean, we we just had the the, the storyline with Cody Rhodes leaving AEW or the real life story of one of the guys that was so instrumental in the and fi finding the company leaves to go back to the the competition. But I mean, to have the world, to, to not only have the current world champion show up, but to show up with the belt. And then they, they did the whole thing of like, um, you know, like, block, like blacking it out on TV to where you couldn't see the face of the belt. And, you know, this isn't the recognized world championship. But what I was, what I would find interesting is if that situation happened about six months to a year earlier. Because you hear all this stuff about the Ultimate Warrior, and the Ultimate Warrior was was a was a very cartoonish, very popular for what he did, which is he would run in, he'd do a couple moves, he'd squash guys, and that was it. But I wonder if he would have ever gotten to the world champ, if he would have gotten to the world championship level if Flair had come in a, about a year earlier. Because I think you're right. I think by the time Flair got there, people were getting tired of Hulkamania. But if he came in earlier. Then you just would have had Hogan would would have probably just freshly won the title from Randy Savage, and then so basically I think what I'm trying to do is is play this the way it starts now where almost WrestleMania is kind of like the end of the season and then the day after WrestleMania on Raw is where they start fresh. So like imagine if Hogan just won the title after this year long build, and then the day after WrestleMania because this again would have to be about it uh, probably about a year or so earlier in, in 89 um he just won the title and then flair comes out on superstars if superstars was like you know on monday night or tuesday night 
And like, that was your challenger for the title. And Flair comes in, he's got the WCW title and all this. Like, I just, I think that that storyline, because we never really got the Hogan Flair payoff that we all wanted when he first got there. And I think part of it was as Hulkamania had kind of run its course, but had they done it a year earlier, especially coming off of WrestleMania five, I think that would have been really fascinating. Well, the thing was like, they, they tried it because when, when Flair came, Hogan yeah. was the champion. Yeah. And Warrior had left. You know, he left at SummerSlam. Yeah. And and Flair had, had come around that time. So they had done, you know, they had done like house shows. And for some reason, Vince Vince didn't like, you know, whether it was the reactions, because you know, because you had people. Um, that were going to cheer, you know, there were people that were going to cheer Flair, but I mean, Hogan, but you're going to have people that were going to cheer Flair and by default, boo Hogan. Because that's kind of yeah. what happened at the Royal Rumble. Like when Sid eliminated Hogan, they everybody cheered. was cheering. And then when Flair, when when Hogan grabbed Sid's arm to help Flair, you know, they were booing Hogan. Um, so they tried it like on the circuit and it just, whatever reason Vince didn't like the outcome. So they never put it on a pay-per-view because um, yeah. it, sh- it should have been Hogan Flair, WrestleMania eight, you know, fortunately, you know, we got the good, the really good savage flair match, you know, that was, you know, that we got at WrestleMania eight, but it should have been Hogan Flair at WrestleMania eight. And whether it was egos or it was, Vince didn't like the you know the results of what was going on. We never got it. And then a couple of years later, nineteen ninety four, yeah, Hogan comes to WCW, and I guess by this point, you know, he was kind of fresh, you know, because he had kind of gone away from WWF, and people really had seen him for about a year. He was doing, you know, he was doing his show. I think Thunder in Paradise, what it was called. Yep. So when they had Bash at the Beach ninety four, you know. Hogan Flair wrestled and WCW, they did it right. Um, you know, and not, not, not to say the outcome, but the match, it was a good match. Yeah. And see, I think that's, I think, and I think that's why I feel like by the time, I feel like by the time Flair got there, there was, and you know what, Vince may not have pushed forward with it anyway because of that mixed reaction. And at that time, it was literally, hey, Hulk Hogan is our good guy. They hadn't really seen the transition yet of like, you know, the, the um the anti-hero um where you could have a mixed crowd i just i wonder it would have been fascinating because if that storyline would have happened earlier you don't know what would have happened with the ultimate warrior you then may not have even needed the whole thing with sergeant slaughter which i think looking back they're kind of like yeah probably shouldn't have done that um Um, well i think they you know knowing you know obviously not knowing personally but knowing vincent man when the persian gulf came out yeah you you knew he was going to put the title on slaughter because originally you know because he talked about they were going to do um you know they were going to have wrestlemania 7 at the la coliseum they're going to have a hundred thousand people you know of course and then the story comes out well we have to move it to this arena because of security when actually they weren't going to sell a hundred thousand tickets yeah but but you knew no i gotta say i was surprised that when he brought in Slaughter the summer before, that Slaughter was the Iraqi sympathizer. Yes. But he got so much heat for that he that did. you knew that you knew Vince was going to put the title on Slaughter, um, especially after the you know after the uh, the Iraqi war started. 
Now, unfortunately for Vince, the Iraqi war did only lasted like a cup of coffee. And so by the time WrestleMania rolled around, the Iraqi war had long been over and people were kind of done and over with yeah. the Sergeant Slaughter thing and the patriotism because they're like, hey, you know, we, we went over there, we won. Okay, let's move on from that. So, yeah. you know, so it's like when, when he put the title on Slaughter at the Royal Rumble, you know, it was like, oh, you know, you know it's like, man, he's going to, this is going to make money when Hogan, because you knew it was going to be Hogan that wrestled him because Hogan is the, you know, the American hero. So you were like, when he, when he took the title from the war at the Royal Rumble in January, you're like, man, WrestleMania, Vince is going to make some serious money. But then the Iraqi war started and it ended very, very quickly. So by the time it got to WrestleMania, so much time had passed. People were just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, Hogan won. Yay. <laughs> so... But you're, you're, they did do a, a pre, and I did, yeah, it was, it was interesting the whole thing with Sergeant Slaughter because he had been in there a decade before and then he comes in and he's now the Iraqi sympathizer. And they did, they really built him up as the ultimate villain. They put the title on him. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you, you hear all kinds of things. And that was, yeah, that, that I think. I, I wish I really wish they would have done more with Savage. I think, and this will um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll wrap up here because I think I could have a, a whole another conversation on Randy Savage. And I, I definitely the next time you and I talk wrestling on a podcast because I think this can be something we can do ongoing. Yeah. Um, is man, Randy Savage like they were pretty much done with him as as a performer. Well, yeah, as a as an in ring talent uh, so early. I mean, he had so much more. That he was able yeah. to show in WCW. His his uh, match, you know, we were talking about WrestleMania seven with Hogan and, and Slaughter, yeah. but his match with his retirement match with Warrior, that was the best match Ultimate Warrior I think ever had. Yeah, and he had some good matches. You know, his one match with well, I should say his one match, his first match with Hogan for the title at WrestleMania was was good. We yeah. won't talk about his match with Hogan in WCW. Um, his matches with his match his matches with rude were good yeah um you know he had good chemistry with rude and his match with that match was savage and and i didn't know this at the time you know and and i didn't know this about wrestlemania 3 with mm -hmm. with steamboat was how meticulous savage plans out his matches yeah. you know and you know and I, I remember reading the article um where they uh where they talked about how he planned out the match with the warrior and I read the article about how he planned out the match with um, Steamboat. And, uh, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day, you know, thinking about what we were going to talk about. Like, okay, it's, it's, it's 2022. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, 35 years ago was 1987. We had WrestleMania three. We had Hogan Andre. Yeah. We, and we had Steamboat Savage. And yeah. we had the and we had the first war games was that was that Great American Bash in eighty seven, and then and then that's okay. Then you go to you know you go to nineteen ninety two, which was thirty years ago. You had you had Flair at the best Royal Rumble that they've had when when Flair won Royal Rumble, um, and then Vader and Sting had some good matches. But then I wanted to talk about nineteen ninety seven, twenty five years ago. It's like there's so much stuff we could talk about because you, you got i'll tell you what 
you and I can do this on it. We'll definitely do this again. I want to get into 97 because in 97, you're talking about the NWO was, was not just wrestling hot. It was back into mainstream popularity. And then you've got what was going on with the WWF when they just started the attitude era around 97, 98. So I think that's where for this particular conversation, I think we'll wrap it up, but definitely next time, uh, and we can talk about each of those years, 97, I definitely want to get into with you because there's, there's so much, um, I'm digging this, man. I feel like when we do these, we, we can literally, we could, yeah. and, and there was so much like, as you mentioned, and the other one I wanted to talk about, well, two of them I wanted to talk about were Randy Savage and Rick Rude. Uh, Rick Rude was a guy that I, I feel like when he went to WCW, um, could have done, man, like they, they were using him right. And then he got injured, but oh my gosh, he was, he was another one, but we will for this particular chat. Cause I, I can see us going in a bunch of different directions. We will wrap up here, but um, uh, let, let me, let me, let me throw, let me throw one yeah, more thing. We, we were talking, you know, and I was, I was thinking about this watching WrestleMania. Yeah. Rock Hogan was 20 years ago. 20 years ago was when we had Rock Hogan. And I was thinking about that the other day, which kind of got me to thinking about 97 and 87 and everything. Like I said, because 97, 97 will be its own podcast. Like well, just 97, 97 alone. Podcast, and honestly, any of those years could be. Yeah. Uh, and I know with, um, you mentioned 2000, 2001, 2002 was, I think was a very interesting time in WWE. Um, because they had, I mean, the, the roster was stacked, uh, not only with just the people from WCW that were finally starting to trickle in in 2002, 2003, uh, but like the big names, but they had their own development going through um, Ohio Valley. So no, man, we've got, <laughs> we've got all kinds of stuff we can talk about. Um, let's see, question that I, the question that I have for you, though, who do you think the most underrated wrestler in the last 30 years is? Most underrated wrestler? Yeah. Gosh. Um, I want to say, I want to say Regal. I just, I think, but. That's a he, really good I think, you know, I think as an NXT trainer, yeah, he was starting to get the accolades that he deserved. I don't think he really was appreciated, you know, like you know, hardcore wrestling fans that like really that really liked that kind of um, yeah, that mat wrestling and you know that that technical style he had would appreciate it. But like you know, the people who were like, like the characters and everything. I don't think, but, but man, there's so many that you, I mean, you could say Lance Storm was underrated, but, yeah. but he didn't have a, you know, he had a, his lack of character is what, you know, uh, really like hurt him. I, but I, I, I'm going to have to say Regal because, you know, even though he was a bad guy, yeah, I liked watching Regal matches because just the, the, the facial expressions, the snooty look he always had on his face being the, you know, the, the European aristocrat that he was, um yeah. and just just like i mean i remember watching that match with goldberg that that apparently i guess got regal fired 
Yeah. You know, because because he because he's like, I did what the people took. They said, go out there and have a competitive six minute match. And I did what I was told. He was like, it's not my fault that Goldberg couldn't do it. But I just I just remember this like when he wrestled Steamboat and when he wrestled, you know, when he was wrestling for the TV title, just the moves he had and, and how fluid it was. And you know, and they never really talked about it. And in in and then when he came you know not when he was like you know the man's man like in 98 but when he kind of but when he kind of got back to the 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 aristocrat snot you know snooty um you know and you know he his matches with jericho and his matches with edge and his matches with you know rvd and everything is like i i i would i would say i would say to me regal as a during his wrestling time was was underrated I think he was. Um, I, I think he was too, because the the character of William Regal, or Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him, um, when he got to WWE, the time I guess starting in about, oh my gosh, I don't remember the exact time, but he, yeah, his his personality or the character personality started to come out more, and I think had that happened earlier, you would have seen him competing for the u.s title more and probably honestly even the world heavyweight title well there was there was there was talk like i think like 2008 yeah when he he was like the on-screen authority figure and he like set it up to where he won the king of the ring there was talk that of him getting a championship run but his demons you know kind of like derailed him you know because the issues with the drugs or the alcohol whatever it was because because he was going to be, you know, and it was kind of a thing, same thing happened with Jeff Hardy, you know, where he was like Regal was set to as the as the on air authority, he was going to like screw whoever the champion was. And then he got popped for a 30 day wellness policy and that just kind of derailed everything he was going to do. But it would have made sense because at that time, I mean, that storyline is logical anyway, because they, they do stuff like that at times. And his character was so developed and so over at that point. Um, you mentioned, it's interesting, when you mentioned the wrestling technique of Lance Storm and Regal, um, the one guy, because I went back and I was watching this a couple months ago, and he was, he was popular towards the end, then he got very popular, sadly, because, he's, uh, because he was gone, but Owen Hart, I, I look at Owen Hart and you go back to WrestleMania 10 and you watch that opening match that he had against against his brother, against Brett, um, where he won. And mm-hmm. then the which later on that night, Brett wins the title. So then you can kind of you do that whole thing that everybody does in sports, like whoever wins the national championship, you can somehow figure it into where like your team beat somebody that beat them. So ultimately your team is the national champion. Um you know, people were doing that. Like, well, wait a minute. He won the title, but Owen beat him. And yep. I just, you, this guy, as far as being a character, as far as being a wrestler, like he just, he could have, he could have done any and all things. And I just, I, I think he's, he's known. And I think people know how good he is, but I think at the time, I think he was very underrated. Um, yeah. See, I, I, now um, his match with, his match with Brett, was awesome and it only lasts like three and a half minutes but that match he had with the one two three kid at king of the ring 
um, if you have if you have not seen that, you have got to go because I mean it is three minutes of full speed ahead, and they are just throwing bombs on each other with the moves they're doing, and that was that was an awesome. That. Is, that the, is that the first King of the Ring? Is it like when one, the one, second? Because okay. King of the Ring '93 was when uh, Brett won, which led to his feud with Jerry Lawler. Um, King of the Ring 94, that's when Jim Neidhart showed up and aligned himself with Owen. Okay. But uh, it was the, it was their second round match because Owen, I think the first round, I think he beat Tatanka. And then one, two, three kid beat Jeff Jarrett. And then Jared, like, you know, gave him a couple pile drivers after the match. So they were questioning, you know, yeah. is, you know is one, two, three kid going to show up? Then he comes out. And like I said, it's like a three, it's, it's not a long match. It's like three and a half minutes, four minutes. And they just, it's like just balls to the wall. And I mean, they just, they just throwing all to. the good moves. And that I'll was, that to. was really good. But I, you know, but I never, like I said, I never thought of Owen as underrated because I thought, um, you know, like before, before, you know, he turned on Brett, you know, I was like, I always liked him. I was like, okay, well, he's, you know, because I had heard of him in, in, in Calgary, you know, cause I, you know, from pro wrestling illustrated. So I knew he, I knew he was like rookie of the year and, you know, I'd heard of how he was doing it in Japan. And then when he was blue blazer, um, his first run, which wasn't like, you know, which one of the wrestling's worst kept secrets, um, yeah. you know, and he had matches, you know, his match against Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania was awesome. So I think everybody knew how good Owen was. And then when he turned on Brett and he started talking on the microphone and he developed his character, yeah. he yeah. got really, really, but could you imagine, um, and I know you're trying to wrap this up, I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking, because, you know, unfortunately, you know, we lost Owen in 99. Could you imagine if he had not died, the matches he could have had with Angle, Jericho, I Benoit, like, I f- and that's actually what I was what I was leading towards because when you mentioned when you mentioned two thousand two, that's when yes Triple H comes back wins the title, but off of Jericho who had built himself all the way up to being the undisputed champion. You've got Angle, you've got Benoit. The, the way that wrestling, because see, the way that wrestling was back in the 80s and, and into the early 90s, before it was Sean and Brett, I mean, for, you know, going back and forth for the title, you did have to be these, the, it, was, it was the land of the Giants. And I feel like had Owen been able to wrestle Angle and, and not, and, you know, also, I mean, throw the Hardys in there, throw Edge in there, throw, I mean, just they're so and Mysterio and you know, the matches he could have had and he would have been right up there with him and he probably eventually would have been world champion. Or, uh, imagine Owen Hart versus Brock Lesnar in, in 2003, you know? Like, I mean, it, it would have been crazy. Yeah, it was... Because, uh, um, you know, because Jericho was trained at the dungeon, so that would have been a good match to kind of kind of the teacher versus the student kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, and I know Edge, when he did the tribute, to Owen, you know, he talked about, you know, they, they call it the Canadian Mafia, which was like, which was Edge, and it was uh, Christian, because Christian, Christian was there at the time, and it was Test, and it was yeah. Owen, um, you know, they called themselves the Canadian Mafia, but yeah, just, just you know, the matches that he could have had with the people that were coming, I mean, Taz, when Taz came in 2000, yeah. you know, Taz and Owen could have been good, you know, uh, Lance Storm. 
I mean, you can go, you can go on and on. I mean, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been but crazy. I would, I would have loved to have seen Owen and Jericho. Yeah, and I would have loved. Well, well, Owen against anyone that came out of the dungeon, you know, uh, yeah. Benoit, Jericho, you know, uh, Edge, any Test, Lance Storm, you know, any of the, you know. But like, I think, I think the two for me, if, if we could have seen um, Owen and Angle and Owen and Jericho, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, we never, we never got a chance to see, you know, those two, um, those would have been uh, incredible. Just, you know, not even from storytelling, just from just, you know, Matt tacti- you know, tac- yeah. tactician, I can't, I can't even say the word, and, yeah. and the, the technical moves and, and, the, and the high flying moves, they would have been putting on each other and the counters of everything. I mean, it just would have been, it would have been amazing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, and I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, we lost him way too early, and from a, but I mean, yeah, the, the matches that he could have had, it would have been it would have been crazy. Well, what I'm learning is that we cannot have these discussions, sir, in the middle of the week, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because like there there are things that that I need to like that I need to get done tonight, and I'm like, well, we're gonna wrap it up, but then we get into like all the other stuff. So I, I definitely, um, I do want to do a follow-up and I want to do a follow-up on 97 specifically the year in wrestling. And then we can kind of work, man, there's so, there's so much that we can talk about. So yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. So uh, if you guys are not following Eric on Instagram, please go ahead and do it. You've got, you've got the workouts, you've got the karaoke that he thinks is awful, but I think it's, I think it's serviceable. You have serviceable karaoke. Uh, <laughs> no, man, this, this has been fun. So we'll, uh, we'll and your, your, your song is coming up. So I'm, I'm good. Good. You're, I'm, you're, you're Lionel Richie. I, I know. No. I want to be dancing on the ceiling. Evil, so uh, evil, that, evil, evil man, but it's coming. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So we will, uh, we'll wrap up here for tonight. Uh, guys, make sure that you again are connected with Eric on Instagram and we'll talk again soon, man. What do you think? I sounds good. We'll do it soon because I'm I'm enjoying this. Like I said, I could I could talk wrestling all night long, every day. So I love it, man. We'll do it again soon. See all right, you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Mm-hmm.